Welcome to Becoming Your Best Version. I am your host, Maria Leonard Olson. I am a civil litigation attorney in Washington, D.C., a mentor to women in recovery, a podcaster, journalist, and author. My latest book is called 50 After 50, Reframing the Next Chapter of Your Life. It's available everywhere, even on Audible, and most libraries will carry it because it received great reviews from Library Journal, among others. I've also condensed the contents of that book into a TEDx talk called Turning Life's Challenges into a Force for Good. If you would kindly hit the like button on that on YouTube or the TED.com website, that will help move it up in the visibility algorithm. And because I think it has a capacity to help many people up-level their lives and overcome challenges, I hope that you will find time to hit the like button on that. So I started this podcast three years ago because my work has brought me in contact with many inspiring women who I think will also inspire you. Today, Dr. Gala Gorman is joining us, and she is a licensed acupuncturist, naturopath, naturopath, and author who offers practical advice and programs for people who are experiencing health issues resulting from chronic stress. She helps women relieve their symptoms, restore their energy, and reclaim their superwoman status. Dr. Gala advocates for getting into the root cause of the health issue and treating it naturally. She focuses on helping people learn to be their own health advocates. In her latest book, What's Your Kryptonite? Manage the Toxic Stressors Threatening Your Superwoman Status, she encourages readers to become their own primary care person. Her advanced techniques reverse the clock on aging. Dr. Gorman speaks on issues that affect the health and well-being of high-achieving superwomen. She touches on how stress turns toxic common sources of what she refers to as kryptonite, mistakes women make managing their symptoms, why detoxification is important but also risky, and easy ways to manage toxic stressors. You can learn more about her work at drgala.com or follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, or all of the above. And the links are in the show notes. Welcome, Dr. Gorman. Hey, Maria. Thanks so much for having me today. So how did you get into this work? I mean, I know you're a doctor, an acupuncturist, a naturopath, an author, but how did you get into looking specifically at toxic stressors? Yeah, it's kind of um, a long story that I will try to abbreviate <laughs> into okay. a few minutes. Um, I am a CPA in my former life. Technically, I'm still a CPA, but um, I uh, consulted to medical practices and I had mostly um, specialty practices that I consulted to. I was like a practice management consultant. So I saw the practice from the inside, sort of behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a couple of practices that were more alternative medicine practitioners, chiropractors, that sort of thing. So I got to see how 
patients, essentially, how their issues were dealt with differently, depending on what the focus was. Mm -hmm. And I was always into alternative thoughts and approaches, kind of leading edge, cutting edge approaches. And so I was really intrigued by the alternative medicine, naturopathic way of addressing things. And so when I left the accounting field, just um, I had started really early. I got my first job in an accounting firm days after I turned 16. So by the time I was in my mid thirties, I was uh, what I like to refer to as the earliest victim of midlife crisis. <laughs> and I needed a, I needed a change. And so it was a natural progression for me. And uh, what I had come to understand in poking at this from a lot of different angles is that the energy system in the body is what the oriental medicine practitioners identified thousands of years ago. Mm. So a lot of different ways of healing naturally focus on tapping into that energy system of the body. And the common denominator was essentially the, um, the Chinese medicine uh, meridians. Mm -hmm. And so acupuncture was a natural um, way to um, become an expert in using that energy system to, um, to support patients and help people heal. Well, did you have a specific health malady that pushed you in this direction or did someone you care about have something that made you want to investigate and dig deep? Yeah. So, um, I was just really stressed and toxic mm. in my thirties mm -hmm. and started applying some of these, um, concepts. Fortunately, I made it a priority early enough where I didn't let it escalate to disease. So the mm -hmm. way I describe it is that dis-ease escalates to disease when we don't, don't revert reverse course. Yes. Um, but during that period of time, my mom uh, was diagnosed with cancer mm. and she got through that initial um, diagnosis. But then a number of years later, she was diagnosed with a different form of cancer. And eventually um, we lost her. And then, um, I don't know, about five years or so after we lost my mom, my sister was diagnosed with cancer. And it was just like an ugly ridiculous, um, situation. I just think it's ridiculous how many people either end up with cancer or some other crazy disease that, um, is really the byproduct of stress and a toxic buildup. It, mm -hmm. You can always trace it back to that. It, the, the challenge is to figure out the exact type of toxicity that's causing the problem and eliminating it um, to a, a good enough degree so that you relieve the pressure and allow your body an opportunity to heal itself. And, um, and so sometimes if you wait too long and you wait until you actually are diagnosed with disease of some sort, then if things are moving too fast and, and things have already gained too much momentum, you have to um, 
hit it from a lot of different angles. And mm -hmm. that may include some extreme form of, you know, medical intervention, but, um, but I really, um, do everything I can to educate women in particular, because that's, uh, where my heart is, mm -hmm. um, uh, to notice the signs and to reverse course before they have to deal with some crazy disease of diagnosis. Hmm. So I think about, well, I was in business school and accounting was my most reviled subject. <laughs> now you took quite a leap. I mean, I have interviewed a lot of women who have pivoted in their careers, but going from accountancy to acupuncturist to becoming a PhD, like what, what happened? <laughs> so, um, so there's actually more of a through line than you would okay. naturally think. Mm -hmm. So, um, oddly enough, accounting came really easy to me. It just made sense. I've got a very sort of logical mind and, um, and I remember vividly i was taking my first accounting class at a college level um when i was still in high school wow and um at the university and um the uh class my classmates and back then you know everything was live classroom you know it was we virtual wasn't even uh right. <laughs> even conceived of at that point but um, I'm in a class of maybe like 50 students and all the other students are pulling their hair out and they couldn't figure it out. And like over and over again, the concepts like are repeated and repeated and they still like their brain just didn't work that way. And I'm like, I just don't get it. It's debits equal, you know, debits and credits and equity. And, you know, the two sides have to balance. Like how hard is it, you know? So for me, it was, it was fairly simple. And then as I progressed in business, I got really interested in tech, like technology. Mm -hmm. And so my, um, the way I practice leans heavily on technology and like state of the art um, techniques that help us to evaluate what's really going on with somebody um, and, um, it's a unique way of practicing. Like not everybody who does what I do practices that way, but it very much is applying a logical, practical approach to um, restoring health and well-being. Um, and so everything I do, whether I'm um, encouraging people to practice mindfulness and um, stress relief techniques, um, whatever I'm suggesting always comes from a place of practical application. It has to make sense, be able to be worked into a busy woman's schedule um, and be effective. Wow. Well, thank you for providing some um, insight about the three line there, because I just have a blind spot when it comes to accounting. I don't know why. You hear accounting, mind. it's like, this does not yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So uh, despite you're having a very busy practice, you decided to write a book. What spurred that decision? So the book had been kind of in the works for a while. Um, I would say maybe even five years. And um, 
and it wasn't my first book. So I have kind of a methodology that I use whenever I'm giving birth to a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and when my sister passed away, um, I just felt like I couldn't drag my feet any longer. <laughs> it needed to be out there and I needed to start speaking to women about this issue. And um, my sister was a hundred percent superwoman in her world. Hmm. She was a single mom of two kids. She um, had a successful professional practice. She had gone back to school to get a, um, a next level professional degree. Um, she had a, she lived out in the middle of nowhere in Texas and had this little farmette and she had rescued these massive horses and she always had some story of, you know, whatever was going on at her little mini ranch. And, um, and so she just had a super full and fulfilling life. Um, but there was zero time for her to take care of herself. And, um, and even when she was diagnosed with cancer, she, prided herself on going back to work as quickly as possible and having the illness cause as little disruption as possible. And, um, and I understand that. I mean, I, I get the, the reason for that and the motivation, but, um, but what I believe needs to happen and needed probably to happen with her was that, um, when she started seeing the signs, she needed to take stock and say, okay, I've got to reprioritize things and I've got to um, widen that period. <laughs> that is when I take care of myself and when I find um, find relief for myself and my the pressure cooker that I'm right. living in. And, right. Um, well, your book uh, encourages readers to learn how to identify and manage toxic stress. So what is a a symptom that maybe many people are not aware of today? So um, one of the biggest things that I find is um, thyroid issues. Mm. And probably a third of the women that come into my practice have been prescribed some form of thyroid medication. Mm. And um, the thyroid is what we refer to as the canary in the coal mine. Your thyroid doesn't just go wonky. Your thyroid goes wonky because there's something else going on. And you could, that is the same situation. If you have hypertension, if you have digestive issues, if you're getting headaches regularly, if you have regular skin eruptions, like any of those um, symptoms, essentially, signs and symptoms that are happening chronically are a sign that there's internal toxicity buildup and, um, and that your systems aren't functioning properly because the body wasn't designed to not function perfectly. You know, Hmm. if it's not functioning right. And if the self healing isn't happening, um, automatically naturally, then something's interfering with it. And sometimes we have to um, supplement short-term to kind of 
jumpstart things. But if we supplement or medicate without addressing what actually caused the problem, then we're essentially allowing the problem to fester and get bigger because we've kind of put a thicker layer of icing on the cake. Hmm. Interesting. So you offer some, some very tangible steps one can take and you call it the MOLT method program. Can you tell our listeners what that entails? I developed a four-prong approach to help us um, manage or even master stress. And so um, MOLT is an acronym. And I thought it was really appropriate because we want to shed stress like Mm -hmm. um, any creature in nature would shed their skin when they've outgrown it. So M is for mindset and O is for order and L is for lifestyle and T is for toxins. And so um, we can address our mindset. We can address the sort of order and things that are in chaos in our world, we can address lifestyle, but if we still, if we find that we're kind of doing all the things and we're still not seeing relief, then we pretty much know that there's a toxic buildup. So I have an, um, a tool in my, in the toxins module of the program that helps you kind of look at the symptoms that you're having. And it points to certain types of toxicity I also use biofield scanning in my practice that helps us kind of um, hone in on what might be causing the problem. Um, but uh, but the it's in, it's just important to have some tools and things ready when stress starts to escalate because you can tell you know we know when we're really stressed out and and we're pushing um, too hard, but at that point in time, we don't have time or we certainly won't make the time to, um, figure out how to relieve it. If we don't have the tool ready to go, if we don't say, oh, wow, there it is again, I'm totally overwhelmed. Let me just grab that five minute exercise. And, you know, in five minutes I'll feel better. And then, if the issue returns within a few hours, then I maybe have to, you know, escalate my efforts. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's important to have, um, to know what you're going to do before you have a um, crisis on your hands. Yes, definitely. So I know you're located in the Carolinas, but do you also see patients online? I do. I do. Um, uh, see most of my patients actually are uh, virtual and okay. um, and they may or may not come into my practice like one time just to kind of get started but um typically I do get started with somebody online and then if they want to come in at some point once just to um, um establish that um connection they can do that but um but it's not necessary mm mm-hmm. I love your analogy on your website about when someone is screaming for help in an emergency, they're nearly impossible to understand. That's the equivalent of what your body is doing with your escalating symptoms. That's brilliant. 
Yeah. It, it really yeah. brings it home that our bodies can teach us things if we increase our awareness of what our bodies are trying to say. Yeah. And when you have suppressed symptoms for so long, what happens is um, this festering problem is creating more symptoms. And then you go suppress that next new symptom, right? So now you've got three or four or five or a half a dozen things that you're suppressing in different ways. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you might be taking a digestive enzyme or acid reflux medication after you eat. You might be drinking caffeine because if you don't drink caffeine, then you'd have no energy or you get headaches. You might be putting some topical cream on a um, skin issue. Um, you know, there's just all kinds of different ways that we suppress symptoms and it's completely different concept than what we're educated with, with, with our normal way of addressing health issues. You mm -hmm. know, the, the normal way we've been taught to address health issues is we have a symptom. We go to the doctor of some sort, or we go to Dr. Google <laughs> and we mm -hmm. find out what thing we should take to get rid of that symptom, yes. as opposed to we have the symptom let's get to the bottom of why that symptom is happening. Mm, yes, I really, your approach really resonates with me. Do you believe in supplements? Like I know you did a post recently about collagen. Do you believe in collagen supplements? So um, collagen is a little different than some of the other supplements. Um, there is, I kind of divide the supplements into two different categories. So there are certain supplements that I consider just to be like a food enhancement. Mm. So collagen could be thought of as a food enhancement. Some people use it to increase the protein availability of what they're eating. Mm -hmm. um, I have a liver uh, supplement that is not like um, herbs to support liver detoxification, but actually as a bovine liver supplement to support your liver regeneration. You know, um, eating liver is one of the best protein rich, um, nutrient rich foods you can eat, but who wants to eat liver? Like there was a, just a handful of people on the planet who uh -huh. enjoy eating liver. Unless right? it's a pate. Yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> even like it in pate. So, um, so there are a handful of supplements that I consider to be food enhancement that I'm okay with people using on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And then there's all the other supplements. And what those supplements do is not that different than what a medication does. And that is they either are designed to interrupt a signal or to enhance a signal typically supplements are trying to enhance a signal and medication are trying to medication is trying to interrupt a signal. Hmm. And so um, what happens if you resort to long-term usage of supplements is that signal that you're trying to enhance the signal was, had lost its strength for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if we supplement two things happen one, we may further weaken the signal and two, 
we could never supplement in a, the exact formulation that our body would have created it naturally. Mm -hmm. So I do use supplements. I identify what is deficient in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then we use supplements short-term just to kind of shore things up, jumpstart the process, remind your body what it needs to do. And then we take that supplement away to see if your body can do it on its own. It's sort of like the training wheels that we put on a bike for a kid, right? Mm -hmm. Like at a certain point, they just want the training wheels off. They're ready to go, right? They can ride the bike without the training wheels. But if they had to get on that bike with no training wheels, it'd be ugly, right? right, right. So if we've got a deficiency, sometimes um, it would be impossible, nearly impossible for our body to... Um, rearrange what it's already struggling to do to shore up that deficiency. So we can help the body plug that hole, sort of give it a little jump start, take the training wheels off and let it go. I like that. I like that. You make things very understandable to a lay person. And I appreciate that, which is probably one of the factors in your great success. Can you um, tell us a, a success story without... I know you have confidentiality strictures, but something in a generic way, a person who you help treat whose life got better by following some of your suggestions. Yeah. So um, one of the women that I have worked with, I've got a number of um, cases, but one of the women that I worked with, um, she had borderline um, fibromyalgia and just to let you know, fibromyalgia is kind of a non-diagnosis anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but according to all the um, little boxes they tick, they couldn't um, diagnose fibromyalgia to the degree that would have qualified her to get into the study she wanted to get into um, because it had really become an issue for her. And, um, and so I put her through my process and evaluated what was really going on and put her on a supplement protocol. And, um, and so one thing with my patients is I don't hear from them sometimes for weeks after they get started. Uh, mm -hmm. She was one of those cases where we had to start kind of slow because she was super sensitive because of the issues that she was dealing with. So sometimes I have to start really slow and we have to just add things a layer at a time until I get people on everything they need to be on. But um, I talked to her a few weeks later and she's like, you know, like all those aches and pains I was having are just gone. She's wow. Like, do you think it could have to do with any of that stuff I'm taking? I'm like, well, or did you do anything different other than what I put you on? And she's like, well, no. I said, well, you know, that's what we were hoping to do. Right. So, um, so anyway, those are the kind of natural medicine is so gentle and subtle, essentially, that people are often surprised that it could have really powerful, positive effects. But um, it's so much better than turning to the extreme, um, you know, sledgehammer approach that is um, the medical system, because um, that's just, you know, um, 
going to create a lot of other issues. You know, you're going to solve one issue and you're going to create three more. So, yes, yes. Wow. Well, that must be very satisfying to make such a concrete difference in people's lives. It more is. Than- and the more compliant a patient is, the better success we have. And so sometimes people want to like pick and choose. Well, I'll do that part, but this part, I'll just skip that part. And then they have kind of like mixed results. And I'm like, well, what, you know, what have you been doing and what haven't you been doing? And they're like, well, I do this, this, and this, but I didn't really like that. So I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, well, it all works together. So no wonder you're not having the same results, right? Oh my so. gosh. Oh my gosh. I just have to believe that this is a more fulfilling career path than having stayed in accounting for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> Undeniable. So I like to ask all of the guests on this podcast because it's so instructive especially from a healthcare practitioner like yourself, what do you do to become your best version? So my morning time is non-negotiable and um, it might take somewhere between a half an hour and two hours, just about every morning. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I have, depending on how much time I have, I have different kind of routines that I follow but I meditate, I journal, I have, um, you know, healing protocols that I use. I have, um, different forms of exercise. If I have plenty of time, I can go walk on the beach where I live. If I don't have much time, I spend at least 10 minutes on my vibration plate, you know, just to make sure I get, keep my lymph, um, moving. And so, um, I think morning is best because I know for me, if it doesn't happen in the morning, it's not going to happen. But uh, if morning just literally is impossible for you, then it has to happen at night. But you have to have at least a half an hour to an hour. I suggest a half an hour of movement and a half an hour of mindfulness of some sort. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you can combine the two, but, um, but yeah just about every day. I love that. I agree with you. I have every intention of exercising when I start out my day, but if I don't do it first thing, it usually doesn't happen. (laughs) Totally (laughs) with you on that. (laughs) So I encourage all of you to really take a look at drgala.com for some very good advice and links to her programs, her methodology, get on her newsletter, Follow her on her social media and take a look at her book. What is your kryptonite? Manage the toxic stressors threatening your superwoman status. So thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Gorman. Thanks again, Maria. And just um, hope to hear from uh, those in your audience that could um, use some help uh, restoring their superpowers. Sure, I will encourage it. See you next week.